the Shop of Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of Shop Talk Show Crossover Edition. I'm Dave Rupert. And with me is Chris in the booth choir. Chris, who do we got in the booth with us today? Crammed in that booth with you today. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I've invited everybody here to Bend, Oregon, and we've smashed in this booth. No, just kidding. We're using the the, the booth of the internet, which is Riverside FM. Pretty happy with them for the most part, other than that my mic just got weird for a minute. Anyway, this is a special crossover edition of Shop Talk Show, which, you know, it's been a while. It reminds me of how, you know, Douglas from Eureka traveled to Warehouse 13 to fix their computer system, and then Claudia from Warehouse 13 traveled to Eureka, Oregon to check out what was going on in their crazy town of Eureka, you know? I don't even watch those shows, but I just looked up crossover on the internet, and it just told me that was... Or like when CSI Miami goes to Las Vegas. Yeah, that was our classic one, but I'm like, have we used the like CSI one too many times? I want to get a fresh crossover idea. Anyway, these two fellas have an eight... Okay, when... when... shot down, (laughs) just shot down, David. Oh, I like the... No, it was the like WB does it all the time with like Flash and and super bands and arrows. Yeah, I mean Marvel that. made an entire trillion dollar industry on crossovers practically. These two fellas are 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 from shipshape.io an agency, a little bit like Paraval, I'd say. They're going to have some some uh some some stuff to talk about there and are the hosts of Whiskey Web and Whatnot. I was just on their show not long ago, so so that's what we mean by crossover episodes. We're all professional podcasters. Robbie Chuck, glad to have you on the show. Robbie, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. I uh I'm almost done with paternity leave now, so I got like four oh, whole congratulations. hours of sleep last night. So your first, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right on. My uh, my co-founder is in that Thanks. same congratulations. Bucket. Yeah, you're in it right now. <laughs> yeah, but so. look at you. You're glowing, with a smile on your face. You're just, you're doing great. It seems like. Uh, and Chuck, what what's happening, man? Good to see you. I've known Chuck a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a number of years over longer. Back in my DC days, um, I'm just uh, getting accustomed to the 90 plus degree weather that we've jumped into this week. I'm in the desert. That just comes with the territory. Ooh. Uh, but I got plenty of sleep. That means it's negative 90 at night, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, let's do the let's do the basics first. For one thing, you 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 have this agency, right? And you're the CEO, Robbie Chuck. You're the CTO. C. Oh, COO. I, I think like in uh, in hierarchical terms, COO means number two, and that's the only reason why nice. I ended up yeah. being the title. I thought no that was operational work. Yeah, maybe it could have been president. <laughs> we could switch it. Oh, you could pay Delaware four hundred dollars and call yourself. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. CodePen quite literally is a Delaware corporation. Just as they have good deals on on incorporation specials. Um, but but it's a but you literally make websites for clients, right? That's the that's the ball game. Yeah, it's usually like SaaS applications. Um, I guess like in some some terms, they're websites like e-commerce stuff. Um, but in general, we're operating on the World Wide Web. Yeah, right on. So SaaS is the specialty. Interesting. So c- clients find you that are like, we we want to build like a whatever a dog walking app or something, and you're like, that's our <laughs> bread and butter. We do. Because it has logins and has interactive functionality and stuff, and that's your the sweet spot for ship shape. Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. 
ShipShape started out as an Ember-specific consultancy, and then over time, as trends and demands have changed, web speed stuff, uh, we, th- we tend to do a lot of uh, Next.js these days, but yeah. exploring some other things as well. I mean, Robbie's gone down the, the Svelte path, the Nuxt path. Really? Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very interested in trying to do something in Remix. Um, we had Kent on our podcast, actually, too. The only person more famous than you, I think. And, uh, and all Aww. 10 of our listeners were really excited. <laughs> no, that's nice. Yeah, Kent is like the most effective dev rel guy I've ever seen. I don't think I know a single thing about Kent other than that remix exists, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, man, he like lives, lives yeah, and breathes it. Oh, yeah, you knew that. You knew that. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I did notice, Robbie, that you're the job before you became the glorious CEO of ShipShape, you were at some place <laughs> called RSA Security, and that was all, Ember all day, right? So you just kind of brought Ember with you when you decided to branch out and do your own thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was at a good point where, like, if I failed doing my own thing, I could just run back to whoever, and like, it was a good time. I didn't have kids yet, didn't wasn't married yet. Um, so yeah, like That's when we all do brave things, except Dave, he does it after having two kids. <laughs> Same with me. Same with me. I had uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> I joined ShipShape like two and a half years ago, and my daughter is going to be three at the end of this month. So I uh, I jumped ship from middle management in corporate America uh, to the consultancy world, just based on. Robbie promising me his firstborn if it didn't work out, but luckily Ooh. for him, it's been <laughs> good, good deal. It's been good. Well, congrats. It sounds like things are going good there. It's interesting how many frameworks you get to to touch and play with. Sometimes I'm jealous of Dave, too, for the kind of the variety of stuff that he gets to work <laughs> on. Kind of comes with the nature of client work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <clears throat> but you get to you get to kind of do it on purpose. So let, like if you really wanted to play with Remix, is there a is there a chance that you're like, how about Remix to your next client almost to scratch your own itch a little bit? Or, I mean, I, you wouldn't force a tech on a client just for that, but if it's a decent fit, maybe, huh? Yeah, I mean, it would be great if you could kind of suggest these things, but probably a little dangerous to have them be your sandbox. We're trying to do some <laughs> internal projects to that might use it, and uh, and then we kind of go from there. So then we can speak on the expertise of like building, basically build a dashboard, uh, build some kind of admin app, and uh, we get a lot of uh, requests for that kind of thing. So there's some repeat patterns there, and uh, the difficulty in deploying it, trying to deploy it to Netlify and Vercel and AWS and that kind of stuff too. I like to have that to uh, because you know you have clients that are going to deploy things all over the place and not everybody wants to use like the easy path. Oh, we're, a lot of places don't want to use Netlify. They want everything within the same ecosystem. So it's kind of mm-hmm. good to do both of those things on your own before you start suggesting it for money. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, just just this morning in our Discord, somebody was just, you know, flippant about how difficult something became even to deploy it to Netlify. So they, you know, you have to pay that cost before you can speak on, you know, you suggest it to a client before you've ever deployed it once. Probably not super intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then you podcast for fun. It sounds like, I mean, you literally drink whiskey at the show. Like I, you literally sent me a jug of whiskey, which I'm still highly appreciative of. Thank you. (laughs) I used it. I used it earlier this week. I spoke at a, at a conference with Dave and I, um, 
I like to have a drink before I speak, you know, warm the bones a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then, do, do, but do you find it helpful for the for the agency itself? I listen to another podcast, Post Light Podcast, which they're like a big time agency now, but out of New York, I think. But they do the same thing. They like they're like, ah, oh, we're an agency, so we'll have this podcast, talk about the web, maybe gives us some social cred or something. I mean, I'd have to ask Dave why you've been doing it so long, but does it help? Does it? Do you think it helps? Should shape to toss a podcast out? We have no idea. We figured, we honestly started it for fun. Um, We both like whiskey. This is a a way for us to like chat and I don't know, get to know each other more, let the world know a little more about us. And we didn't want it to be overly technical, even though we're in that, you know, tech field. So we just kind of thought it would be fun that's why we started inviting guests because we thought it would be fun for people to uh, to listen to a podcast with tech people that wasn't just all about their tech. That maybe it was just about personal things, and you bring whiskey into it to lubricate the conversation. And um, so, really, it was just out of curiosity and fun. And if it again totally flopped, it was another thing where we we're like, okay, we tried that, but we've been enjoying <laughs> it, so we keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like. It's more about putting out content. So if we blog or podcast or do anything, like no one is ever like, "Oh my god, I heard this one podcast and I want to hire you and give you millions of dollars." But, you know, they may just know of us casually if we keep putting random content out in different spaces. So that's kind of the main strategy. Possibly. I don't think I've ever heard a Paravel story that was like, "Because Shop Talk then millions of dollars." Not quite, <laughs> right? Uh... Right. You know, I don't. I actually don't know. I I know we've had some business and some awareness come through the door through a podcast or this podcast, um, but it's not like the marketing arm or anything like that. Uh, I actually find like agency podcasts kind of can be kind of rough when they are like a marketing mm. tool. It's like, whoa, buddy, <laughs> this is a bad sell. But um, but I, I will say the thing that I do like about it is it actually helps me in client services when I've talked about stuff a lot. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of opinions. I have, I've talked through almost everything you can talk about already. And then sometimes there's been things like people will be like, Hey, have you heard of lighthouse? Well, it's like, yeah, actually the guy who made it, it was on the show last week, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. So there's been actually really cool situations where I, in client services, that like expert dynamic kind of matters, and so uh, where that expertise has been leveled up, so it's it's been a net positive, I think. So. Yeah, I'm sure. Even like blogging is too. You're like, you think you get something? Just try to write three paragraphs about it. Good luck, you know. <laughs> then you then you're then you have 15 tabs open trying to verify what you're about to write, you know. Yeah, and that's almost the only way I'm going to remember some of the things I learned. I've uh, had this idea to uh, to have a blog post about um, lambda layers, and I had done a, a PR into one of our serverless uh, projects. And then, like, left that PR open, didn't write the blog post right away, and I've completely forgotten everything about layers. What's the benefit there? Why would I do this? I have no idea. And so I'll be starting over. Oh, no, I was hoping to get the two cents because I'm like, I use lambdas all the time. I have no idea what a lambda layer is. It's shared resourcing, and it's supposed to, like, uh, speed up your warm-up times or something like that. That's all I Okay. 
<laughs> I'll share that blog post with you. <laughs> Node module cache. Yeah, 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 exactly. Something like that. That would make sense because that's always a thing. Even from the Netlify perspective, it's like, gosh, you push like a, a one character change to your footer and it's like time to download every node package while this whole entire website builds again. <laughs> You're like, I don't blame you. I don't have a better idea necessarily, but weird. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Memberful. Memberful is easy-to-use, best-in-class membership software. So if you're a developer and you've been tasked with making a membership site, which, by the way, is a fantastic business model, I'm sure most of the successful businesses on the web are essentially driven by membership models. Pay me monthly. Pay this website for access to stuff on the website. Downloads, extra content, email newsletters, whatever. You got work to do in making sure that that experience is good. You got to build the website. You got to build all the emails around it, all that transactional stuff. You got to be making sure the content is properly protected and the different plans are being dealt with. It's a bunch of work. You should take any help you can get out there. There is no need to be writing this stuff from scratch. You should use Memberful to do it. Memberful Memberful takes care of all the hard stuff so you can focus on what you do best. You know, the building the website part, the building the content part. You should be get, get to that point in which that you're earning revenue as quickly as you possibly can. They have a super good WordPress plugin. So if you're a WordPress person like me, you got that to use. Best in class for, you know, this page is protected and there's an upsell over here and, you know, this, fill out this form to be a member and all that stuff. But it's modern too. And then it has a GraphQL API. So if you're using any other stack, there's a full featured API to use to do all the stuff that you need to do. So they got that. And then it's like, it's modern in the sense that's like, let's say you want to like control Discord members via if you have a paid membership or not. They have integrations there. You want to send your paid newsletter through MailChimp. Sure, MailChimp is an amazing best in breed product for sending newsletters. You can send it through MailChimp, but only to your paid subscribers and stuff like that. So there's just a lot to know and a lot to like about Memberful. Please check them out if you're goal in the world is to make a membership-driven site. Memberful is the way. Thanks for the support. I had an idea to talk about, like, perspectives a little bit in the, like, you have a show like this, and it's nice to have opinions. Like, if you didn't have any opinion, like, it would be the boringest show ever, right? So we try to, <laughs> we almost try to thicken up our opinions a little bit. Maybe okay. even disagree once in a while, you know? Like, that's healthy for any yeah. multiple voice forum. But when you have a strong opinion, the only reason you have it is because because of your own life experiences and you've worked on the tiniest tiniest sliver ever of websites that exist so i'm sure we all come at it with that knowledge that even though i have this opinion it's informed by my limited set of experiences so what are those sets of experiences and 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 you know wouldn't that be interesting to know like the reason i know chuck is because my wife worked at national geographic in dc you you had a kind of a long stint there so does that still that does that inform your like what does technology do? <laughs> you know, like, the, 
you have opinions probably from those days still, or at least that formed them a little bit. Yeah, I would I would say 100%. I mean, I spent five years at National Geographic. I was working on like what we called like global properties because they had various arms of the business and global properties would be like components that you would touch on every single site, like a universal login or um, a, a mm-hmm. bootstrap uh, library for setting up analytics or setting a a video player that could work across properties and then you can load any kind of video and it would also send analytics. I did a lot of advertising work there because um, the business was very much driven by ads uh, at that time. It's pre-Disney money. And um, so, but then you're getting these ads from like third parties that are really heavy and, you know, expose a bunch of global JavaScript and how do you sandbox those and protect the rest of the properties and uh, not mess with uh, layouts and magazine-like articles and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think I have a lot of opinions formed from media and then just like having that time on a web property that got millions of hits per day. Yeah, so scale technological complexity and like institutional complexity because surely like thousands of people worked there right or whatever yeah yeah and everybody has an opinion on on something that's going to get a lot of traffic and you know if you you have to do a lot of thorough testing i mean in our tech world right where we have like uh, cicd ideologies where you would deploy 30 times per day like where there are so many different hands in the pot, it's it's a challenging thing to ever try to get to that in, in that kind of forum. So it's like, it's not a one size fits all ideology, although it's fun to get your code out there all the time and, um, and, mm-hmm. and like see your changes and it's the web, so it's not permanent. But on the other hand, if you screw something up for 30 minutes, they could lose $100,000. So <coughs> yeah, yeah. So care- carefulness <laughs> too maybe comes from that. World yeah. a little bit. The classic dynamic on Chop Talk is that I don't think Dave or I have worked at or for a company with like thousands of employees. Right? So we just don't have that. Dave's done work for companies of that size, but I always come from the small guy perspective of like do a lot of small. I do a lot of solo projects. I do really small team projects. I have a web app too that has really specific technological choices and then thus don't have much other time to experience. I've never, I think, I, you know, like Nuxt or something that Dave talks about and that comes up in our Discord a bunch. I spun it up once because I needed to for some random thing to, to learn quick and, and that's it. So my experience of like, my breadth of technological experience isn't as, isn't as wide as somebody in client services. I try to keep it wide because for a while I wrote about the web a lot, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's my hands-on experience is actually a little narrow and it was mostly product work and one product, not a bunch of products. And that was a cool dynamic, I think, for Dave and I because Dave did client work and it just had a, you know, has a bunch of personal projects, but I guess you can speak for yourself, Dave. What's your like the attitude you come at in tech based on your history, you know? Yeah. I mean, y'all probably have this similar experience. Sometimes you don't get to choose the tech. Um, Sometimes the clients like we're Java and jQuery. And you're like, yikes. Okay. Like we'll figure that out, you know? Um, And yeah, and, <laughs> yep. from Java. and you literally do uh, figure it but, out too, right? It's not like you're like, yeah, that's outside my wheelhouse. You're like, Java, it is. Here we go. No, yeah, it's like there is like a, a 
you should be a shoe that fits, you know, like, like they're going to get more value out of their money if they find a company that actually does Java jQuery. Um, but like, there is also like, we can do it and we're small enough and agile enough to fit into teams. But for the Microsoft homepage, I, I, we went out, went to Best Buy, bought a computer to put Visual Studio on it so I could do ASP.net. <laughs> I mean, like that's, we just did what it takes, you know, to ship a website so so a lot of stuff informed by that and what do you think about yourself robbie i guess i know the least about you but what does your past experiences form your like current technological opinions well uh yeah i mean i guess i started doing ember in 2012 um and i liked it like angular was kind of coming out around then like all the frameworks started happening um and you know i was Younger then, more willing to move to different things, played with a lot of stuff, had different jobs and different things, even did some Java and .NET and never again, thanks. Um, so yeah, I, I just realized that I really loved um, Ember and kind of moved back into that. And the biggest opinions yeah. I've gotten from Ember, I guess, have been like, it is so opinionated that I just want someone else's opinions to be mine. Like I don't want to have to care about everything. I just want a set of opinions and go with it. Yeah, you you like like it when other people make the choices. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Not that it's I mean that's a weird way to put it, but you like opinionated software. <laughs> yeah, like what do you think about JavaScript classes? What do you think about mono repos? <laughs> These are things that you have strong oh. opinions on. Oh yeah. Yeah, everything like that people think is the new hotness, basically, I just say, no. Um, there are some reasons why you might want some of these things. Like, you know, monorepos have their place. Um, I think the big thing for me, the, the classes thing really irks me because we spent, you know, years and years and years being like, oh, JavaScript doesn't have classes and we want classes and let's be more object-oriented and do all this stuff. And like, we finally ship it and everyone's like, "Oh, no, 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 no. We we don't want classes. Like, let's do everything functional. That's that's the cool th- way to do it. <laughs> we do functional, functional. Man, I would do so much react that mostly my opinion comes from that world in which that they were so so deep down into class town only to just be like, "Nope, sorry. Not only are we switching away from classes, we're going to ship the most important piece of technology that we've ever shipped, the hooks idea, and only make it work with so just going to drag your ass back away from classes was so weird only to have it not like be completely perfect and that to this day we have some class components because like there's just some things that they can do that the functional ones can't leaving us in this crazy limbo town and man yeah i could see i could see a legit hatred of classes <laughs> forming I could it'd be like a legit villain you know like when you watch a movie and you kind of like understand why the villain is the way that they are you know like classes could do that to somebody I feel like yeah yeah and that's like a classic react thing to do in general like to to have this thing that has always like been the view layer just a library and then strongly shift towards a completely different way of doing it and also put these like uh, stronger state management um, mechanisms in it. And I don't know, it's kind of what I like about Next is it, it, it gives you like some safe guardrails around what React lets you do. This is like too many options. 
right? You can do it any way you want. Do you wonder what their relationship is like? Like, is Next, has Next become more important than React is? And like, if it is, how does it feel to work on React then? You know, do they talk to each other a lot? Do they, I don't know. It just feels weird. Like, does React, can React even make a big move anymore without Next blessing? I don't know. I wonder. Well, see, I think that uh, it's an interesting thing that Bercel has been hiring up all the framework people, though. So it gives them even more potential power and options. Like, oh, if React goes a direction we don't like, that's cool. We'll switch to Svelte or whatever. Mm, that is kind of a power move, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe they'll just make a version of Next that runs on Svelte or something, not necessarily shift the whole project. I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's a big deal. And I think they, I, I'm not, I wasn't trying to paint them as some like, you know, big bad industry like danger point or something for the most part i think it's amazing next is like transformatively good anyway and that's probably your top framework that y'all build on generally like if you had a green fielder today well uh that's i think if we had a green fielder today we'd try to dive into remix like on the side and then see if that was a good fit um kent really seems to feel like it is not redwood I think Redwood's interesting, but it's an all-in-one, and all the performance, uh, like uh, all the performance gains that Remix is saying it gives you, and the way that it operates on the edge, it feels a little more interesting. The only thing I like about Redwood is the fact that it includes really uh, like usable things like authentication packages, like right mm-hmm. in it. So it really is like. Um, like all in one, it would be great for an MVP, I guess. I would have thought, Robbie, you'd be all over Redwood. Let's talk about opinions, man. They're thick with opinions. Yeah, but it's still React. I won't touch React because everyone oh. likes it just because it's React. <laughs> I did not realize this about you. Anti-React. My people. Yeah. My people. Yeah, I do Ember and Nuxt, and I've played a little with Astro, but I won't do any React. I just won't. Unless every other job goes away, then I'll, I'll bow Ooh. down and do it, but... Not right now. <laughs> no. Robbie represents a very small subset of our business because most of our <laughs> business is in the React and Next world. Um, I mean, uh, like large uh, companies trust React and they trust Next. It's kind of you know proven itself to be good. And then the other side of that is like you know the hiring capabilities. It's like, oh yeah, we could build this app in Ember, but we're going to have to spend 300000 on every Ember engineer because it's a small pool and they are going to work for LinkedIn or they're going to get a bunch of money elsewhere. So, you know, there's that aspect too. I would have thought, that, I mean, that, you know, because you, you literally already said, oh, we build a lot of like dashboardy, admin, screeny kind of things. I mean, we just had Fred on the show the other day from Astro, and he's like, that's not for Astro. Don't even try nah. to build that in Astro. That's just oh, not appropriate no. kind of thing. Um, he's saying those really highly dynamic things. And I almost think Remix, I don't know, I, I haven't actually spun it up, but I do like a lot of the stuff that they're doing. All is trying to like send smaller JavaScript packages and stuff. And if you're building an admin thing, like behind a firewall or something, it's not like who cares, but it's all, it's getting pretty close to who cares on the size of the, (laughs) who cares about the JavaScript bundle and stuff. This is for 50 people who need a big old robust page with a bunch of charts and crap on it. It doesn't need to be server side rendered or pre-built. It could be a big old client side rendered 
mess. <laughs> and 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 Redwood would help with that, I would think. Not the mess. Yeah, part, maybe. The, yeah. I mean, yeah, super opinionated. Gives you GraphQL off out of the box. I mean, I could see it being useful in that way. I don't know. Um, Unless the data source is like, I'm building a dashboard for a data source that's not. Because Redwood cares a lot about keep, what is what is their data? They have like one major adapter thing. They like care that about where your data is. Right. They're not like yeah. BYO data source. Yeah. Prisma. It's Prisma. I like it. Yeah, and well, Prisma is uh, Prisma has a, a few adapters now, right? So they uh, they have a Postgres adapter. They have GraphQL stuff. Um, I don't know. I know they were coming out with more adapters. I do like Prisma as well too. It's a nice ORM. Nice. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Notion. Go to the URL notion.com slash codepen. I know this is Shop Talk Show, and that's a codepen URL, but that's the tracking URL we have. Let them know that you came from us. That'd be cool. I'm so glad they're our sponsor, a longtime sponsor, because they're, it's just perhaps one of my favorite apps of all time. Just absolutely love Notion. Learn more and get started for free at notion.com slash codepen. That's notion.com slash codepen to help you take that first step towards an organized, happier team today. Why do I love Notion so much? Well, one of the reasons, and I almost hesitate to say this, is that it replaces a lot of apps in your business life. And the only reason I hesitate to say that is because I'm like, imagine these 10 apps and you smash them together, and that is this app. I've seen that done before poorly. I bet you have too, where it's just like disparate apps and they just so happen to be smashed together just like because enterprise or something. That's not what Notion is. It's just a really well-designed app for working with your team that just by virtue of how it works, it just happens to replace some other tools. So it, like, let's say the way that you do project management is essentially Kanban boards. Here's a bunch of tasks. What are the state of those tasks? Are they being worked on? Are they done? Are they blocked by something? Whatever. I do a lot of that because I think it really helps a team stay on the same track. The Kanban board thing is cool. It's not like Notion is a Kanban app. It just so happens that their database view supports that as one of the possible views. And it could be a calendar view of that same data too, or a list view or something. And that's just one of the things that you can do in Notion. And, you know, it, it, to me, it doesn't scream that it's set out to replace Kanban boards, but it kind of did because it's so good at that. But another way to think of it is just documents too. And that Notion is just nested documents. Each one of those documents has a kind of waterfall permissions level too. So that's important to me me because I can invite certain people to certain documents and know that if I invite them at this level, they have access to everything below that too. Their permissions model is beautiful. But you use it for things like, you know, your business calendars and the project planning stuff and the meeting notes stuff and the editorial calendar stuff and the internal wiki stuff. There's so much you can do with Notion. I just love them. Thanks so much for the support. See you next time. You've had a couple of shows on, you know, this Web3 universe a little bit. Mm -hmm. What if somebody came knocking on the door and said, build me, build me one of those apps? We, yeah, yes, we would definitely do. do it. We just yeah. don't know how yet. Just don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will definitely drink whiskey and build your Web3 thing.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to do that. Yeah, I'm very interested. So you both were nodding your head vigorously. So it sounds oh, like. Oh yeah, I'm very interested. I'm also very interested in infrastructure. I don't know that I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but I'm kind of tired of UI uh, in a way. Like I can do it, and mm-hmm. but I'm way more interested in serverless. I'm actually played around with Kubernetes some, um, like infrastructure very much and delivery very much interests me these days. Nice. So doing that in a Web3 context, I would be all over it. Yeah, we have some people like some of our contractors and some people that we know that are kind of into some Web3 things, but it seems like even those people that have like implemented a thing or two are still kind of like, yeah, I use a framework for it and like I don't really understand what it does, you know. Yeah. It sounds like the front end side of it it's all the same, right? Like you still just build a website and then to, I guess to your point, Chuck, it was like the but everything else is different. Where the data goes is different, how you get the data is different and all that. I don't know anything about it either. It seems very <laughs> complicated to me. And of the I just had a on CodePen Radio. I talked to a, a dude who was getting into NFTs. A little unavoidable on the CodePen because there's so much generative art there that uh, you know can't blame those artists for trying to dip their toes, understand that world a little bit, and possibly mint some stuff. There's um there's some you know a slew of tools that it takes to even buy one NFT. It was quite the <laughs> quite the journey for me when I did it a couple of months back. Oh, you you have some. I do, as I have some from the guy interviewed. You know, it's like journalistic mm. integ- integrity. I feel like required me yeah. to go there. I'm interested, and I don't I don't feel particularly apologetic about it. Although I feel like some, there's some people out there that almost expect that out of you. You own one of these. Do you do you have a muffler on your car too? You piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. My car's electric, but um. <laughs> nice. Well, you're already up and up. I think you can buy two NFTs in your square. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we have one that was like a charity thing. Uh, a guy that we work with uh, created an NFT and it's a whole like charity project for a children's hospital. So I feel good about that one. And then I have a couple dirtbag ones too, but no no weird apes or anything like that. Mm. Like dirtbag like... Is that an actual? Oh, I don't series know. Um, of, oh, you just, but <laughs> anybody who's like anti NFT, you know, thinks looks down upon those that would uh, actually get into the space. I don't know. I have one that's like a membership to be able to buy other M- NFTs, which is you know ooh, probably ooh. a farce, and one that's like an avatar for like some online game, but they haven't like quite released what all. Have that you looked is. at your wallet in a while? I opened mine up for the first time in a long time, and that, but I bet there's ten additional ones that I haven't bought in there because there's this thing yeah don't click those yeah there's these ones that just can send you that you can just put an nft in somebody's wallet i'm like whoa mm-hmm. what a group how neat great and in order to get them out you got to pay to get them out yeah. what a what a joke yeah, they can uh put like executable code in like they've done a lot of smart stuff in like putting svgs as the images and stuff and putting javascript in there and stealing everyone's everything so never click those don't click those. Like, don't even. What does click mean? Like, because so, sometimes you go just like look at the image. Yeah, but something so, to even know that you have it, you have to look at it. In some cases, you know, there's not like a text True. version of looking at uh, your. What isn't like Etherscan give you like hashes and all that stuff and doesn't necessarily like 
fetch the image? Maybe, but I, you know, I'm sure what my experience is if I showed you the slew of apps that took me there was it would be a, a different slew of apps than your slew of apps, you know? Right. And you know what I mean? Like there's the place where you buy this crypto and then there's the wallet and then there's the Gas marketplace fees. and then there's where you put the thing after you get it. And so it's at least four right there. Anyway, I, I was talking about the like the, the the delivery of it, the performance. So what's good? Sorry. <laughs> what's well, good? I don't, let, I don't me, let me let me pitch yeah, you an idea. So, we, you know, we want to experiment and we've been talking about like creating an NFT and like associate it to the podcast in a way. So say you bought uh, one of our NFTs and would give you like a membership into Whiskey Web and whatnot. And then we would buy, uh, we would do some barrel picks and then you could get like access to the barrel picks. Like, oh, we'll send you whiskey or whatever because we can't sell it. We're not, um, mm. yeah, we're not like a liquor distributor. But if we went and bought a barrel and then gave it away to members of Whiskey Web and whatnot, for example, that would be kind of cool. I like that kind of interesting utility, the membership aspect of it. Uh, it's like being in a wine club, except for like you have this hash or tangible thing that you could sell your place in the wine club rather than just remove yourself and the next per email on the list gets it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you get in, if you get involved that you can work on the perf aspect to it because as you're loading these sites, they're so, so, so slow. Because I think yeah. there's some mm -hmm. like I have to qu query the entire blockchain or whatever it is. And, mm. um, it's just my experience. I mean, maybe there's some fast ones, but so far I've been like, wow, is this slow? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like you said, like fetching the data aspect of it. How do you handle that kind of caching? But then it's also just in time data. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just have no idea what I'm even talking about. So I will stop there. <laughs> so Java. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I I had one of those classic moments the other day with a recruiter who who kept interchangeably using the two words, and I was like, ah, like Java and JavaScript. I mean, yeah, was, that's cute. It it's still a thing. It's still <laughs> how a are thing. you? How are you talking to a recruiter? What's going on? You've got that. You've got that CSS tricks money. Okay? Family friend. <laughs> family friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it it is a little rare, but I have been surprised at how how little recruited I've. Um, I've been ever, you know, I don't get those. Are your inboxes full of that stuff? Do you get like one a day kind of I'm, yeah? Mm, I don't know. I don't get like one a day, but I, I definitely get some stuff. They're always like weird and, and like, did you read my profile at all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. you want to do some COBOL? Um, no. Have, have you met me? <laughs> <laughs> I get like too many, but I think because I did some Python at National Geographic, I get a lot of Python inquiries, but they don't notice that that was like 10 years ago. And what am I doing now? And what position am I in? Uh, no, I do not want this job for $85 an hour in Virginia. <laughs> but do you does, it, does Python still come up a little bit? Because you're, you literally say ShipShape is a full stack operation, right? Well, that counts when you can write JavaScript on across the full stack. I haven't... Um, I haven't really touched any other languages in a while. I uh, Ooh, last year really? played around with Elixir, uh, and then I shifted to just doing serverless stuff with the same API. And Meaning then no, node serverless, right? You, yeah, yeah. So yep. I was just doing node serverless stuff, and then I did some Go at my last job, uh, which I was like engineering manager at Acquia, 
Uh, and one of my teams was doing a bunch of services in Go. So I dipped my toes in that some. But Yeah, that's... well, tell me about that, because that's where I'm at at the moment, kind of liking that world of serverless, not necessarily, uh, Go more than serverless. Like, I don't really care where it executes. Wherever you execute Go, it's going to be fast as hell. You yeah, know? I was going to say, it's fast. It makes a lot of sense. It was fun. Yeah, I, I mean, it's great for microservices, I think. I mean, it's like ideal to that. Yeah, it is, kind of, right? And scripting, too, I'm finding. I have a job in front of me that's like, you know, take this huge piece of data and, you know, loop through it and perform some logic on it and write it back to where you got it. But like, you know, many tens of millions of times. And that's happened to us at CodePen a number of times. You know, like we need to munge some data. And in the past, we were a Ruby shop and it was like, well, I guess we'll write it in Ruby then. And then you'd start the script and be like, well, I guess I'm going to control C that motherfucker because it's like 18 <laughs> days, you know. <laughs> and this is not me, you know, these are, these are Alex and stuff that's working for us. So I'm just recounting his stories, but I'm trying to get into this world more. And they're so strong on, on, in Go, and, and it's been so good to us that that same thing, that same script, you write it in Go, and you're like, well, that's going to take 38 seconds or something. It's that <laughs> many orders of magnitude faster, which is transforming. It literally changes technology when there's things that you had to just say no to before that you don't have to say yes to. Not only are you not saying no to, you're like, eh, no big deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the power of that platform. It does small very like singular operations really well. You know, you have a service for every like major thing you need to do. So who who have you had on the show recently that 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 was great? Tell us about uh, uh, Whiskey Web and and whatnot a little bit. You've been you've been keeping it going though, super consistent. So obviously you're having fun with the thing. Yeah. Well, we recorded like I don't even know how many ten or more in like a couple weeks. It seems like because. I was getting ready to go on paternity leave and we had to have one per week coming out. So we just like reached Cranked out to them. everyone we could possibly think of and we're like, hey, come on the show. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think. We were going to have uh, Guillermo from Vercel yeah, on, uh, but he like an hour before I feel like was just like, uh, no. And then... I like how really? you're calling him out right now. I don't care. <laughs> I, I speak my mind. Like, you've mm. met me. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, no shame on him. I'm just saying, like, it was, you know, a little annoying because we, we had hyped it up. with episode before, it hasn't even aired yet. But we were like, yeah, this guy's coming on. Um, mm. And so that, that was a lie. Um, he used us for whiskey. He clearly couldn't afford his own Japanese whiskey bottle. Yeah. Just wait till they have a release, man. That's when I start getting the emails from Vercel and they're like, would you like, like Guillermo? And then they, they tend to pair them up with somebody else. They're like, how about Guillermo and mm. something? Anyway, you'll get that yeah. soon enough. Okay. But now Fair you're, enough. now you're snake bitten. So no, uh, you can, <laughs> hard to say. no, no. I mean, he's made a lot of stuff that I like, so, you know, no ill will there. Mm -hmm. We've had enough guests that I cancel that I think we no longer announce what guests will be on the show. I think that's like a decision we made year one of the podcast was just like, you know, 
it flakes. There's a there's a thirty percent chance every time. So yeah, and a, like smart. a point two percent chance that we lose the episode somehow. You know, like we're putting a lot of trust in Riverside right now. There's a chance they screw it up. There's a chance, you know, you don't, your upload doesn't finish and they won't give it to us. My and, computer. Yeah, your computer goes. Anyway, that's technology happened. is flawed. Yeah. One time we had a guy on, then it screwed it up, and then. And then we got him back, and I think we even did it a third time and lost it a third time. You remember Gosh. that, Dave? Whale on, <laughs> on, on Twitter, Matthew? Yep, Matthew Smith. Pardon, sorry, Matthew. Yeah, we really screwed that dude. Matthew. I'm just surprised at how many people say yes, which is kind of nice. Isn't it amazing? Because, uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, there's limits, like, you know. You can't get Barack, you know, but you can you can go pretty well, high. Have in you the tried? World of tech. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> does he like whiskey? I mean, I think us leading with that, like we'd like to send you some nice whiskey and talk about it on this thing. But uh, you know, we're we're nobody. Like we're no, we weren't in the top three podcasts uh, in the state of JS. Like maybe that'll change. I don't know, but I'm surprised how many people say yes and come on and chat with us and 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 then. And the amount of people that are like Thursday at nine in the morning, sure. Isn't that like when people <laughs> do their job or whatever? Usually, yeah, I always yeah. like that one. Like, what if you wanted to book a teacher or something? They're gonna be like, How about have to Saturday? Take time off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When Tom Preston Warner came on, I was like, He said yes, he's uh, okay, this will this will be fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that one's pretty. Yeah, he's he's. He's pro- have we had him on? I think he's our biggest guest too, probably as far as like probably like net worth, success anyway. and net worth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a close second though, close second, I'd say. Okay, fair. That's fair. <laughs> you just revealed a little something. No, that's that's pretty far from the truth. With all these, you know, because everybody's everybody's you know had their stint in Silicon Valley or their version of it too, for the most part, you know, we got a good, these developers. I was just at a meetup the other night, just here in Bend. And there was probably, you know, two, three people I talked to that were boot camping it up. Yeah. That's still like a major phenomenon and good for them because they see it's still very visible. Like tech is still just a kick-ass career to yeah. have right mm-hmm. now. Coming from almost anything if else. If anything, there's so much more demand, too. Like, it's so much easier to get a job now that starts really well-paying um, right out of some of these boot camps. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't know, quite know what to say when you see somebody looking for, like, six months or something. There's, like, there's some disconnect happening here. This should be easier for you. Yeah. I, like, know who you are. That means you clearly, it's not like I just click follow on random people on Twitter, you know? Like, I know you for some reason, which is probably through your knowledge of technology at least a little bit. Yeah. Man. I think the interviewing process is broken at some places. That's the other part of it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, they need people and they want to hire, but then the interviewing process is is flawed in some way. Like some people are failing to perform in the moment, but probably can do the job just fine or have, you know, they know how to make a website, but they don't know sorting algorithms or something because you know, they're not going to work for Google, so you don't need that crap. Yeah. You don't need any algorithms for the web. I'm saying it now. <laughs> Not not a single one, <laughs> not a single one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you do, you can Google it in the moment. What's the best interview like you've ever ever had 
like or like what what would be your ideal interview process either for hiring somebody or being hired or what have you experienced i'd I'd love to know that as i enter a phase of i mean all we do is well a we have like uh just normal get to know you as robbie would say what's your origin story um just talk about like what they've worked on what they want to do kind of thing um how you came into the industry and your interests and then we just do a, a one hour pairing session so we just sit down Use your, your computer. Uh, you can get on the internet and find the answers because none of us have memorized all the docs everywhere. And let's make like a quick app with some routing. And uh, that's what you'll do on the job with us. So let, can you demonstrate that? I think pairing with people and having them explain what they're doing and why they're making choices, uh, to me, is the slam dunk. Yeah. Do you give a little leeway on the you're going to not perform as well as you maybe would have. Yeah. I mean like people being nervous. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to uh, Eric Bryn several, several years ago now and he was like looking at hiring some people. He runs an agency as well. Um, And he was like, yeah, my hiring process is more or less just prove you're you because if you have some GitHub history and some things you've built and you can show that you built it and that you are you done. Like be quick to hire and quick to fire. Oh, quick to hire, quick to fire. That's yeah, that's, that's how I do it. Because it's like, why spend seventeen rounds interviewing someone if you think they're pretty okay? Just give them a chance, right? That's great. Yeah, and that and that firing isn't this like horrible death beam disaster because you're almost like freeing them up to go somewhere where they're a better fit in a way. And yeah. you already gave them some money and stuff. I mean, I, I guess it could look a little weird if you have a bunch of one month stints on your resume or something. That's <laughs> kind of up to them. They could fudge their way out of that, probably. Yeah, talk their way well, through it. Yeah. Okay, let's do a let's do some role playing. Let's do some role playing where you pretend fire me. Okay, like, <laughs> hey guys, yeah, just logging into work. I'm pretty like I don't know. Just sorry, it's late. You know, it's been late for three weeks. I apologize. You you have to do it. Robbie's the fire. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just I usually give people a a, a first chance. I'm like, hey, uh, you've missed a couple meetings. The clients are noticing. You need to be at the next one, and then. If like the next meeting is the next day. Oh, sorry about that. My thumb hurts. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've only, I guess, have I fired two people or just one? I can't really remember. No, I think, uh, I think just one with ship Just one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's rare, but like, yeah, I, I basically, you know, this guy missed the meetings again the next day. So I was like, Hey, you've missed all these. It's not that hard to be online. Like we can't do this anymore. You're just terminated effective immediately. And he was like, oh, oops, like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Cause you had a demonstrable failure and a, a chance and a chance for correction. You know, I've screwed up the chance for correction thing in the past, like let it go way too long. And then by the end where it was obvious to me how many failures there were, it wasn't so obvious to them how many failures there were with no chance of correction. So that, that sucked. But once you've done the like, Hey, these are these are the problems, and you've kind of written them down. I don't even mind giving them a a document. 
that says this is what we talked about and this is what we expect. So you can can draw that up. And it's not necessarily, you know, it probably would help in the court of law. I hope that would never come to that. (laughs) But still, you know, if there's any question as to why that firing happened, you'd have some paper trail of it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's just essentially how you should be as a manager is that you should be communicating very clearly uh, when things are good, when there's needs for improvement. And so whatever outcomes shouldn't necessarily be a surprise to the employee. I don't know what you say about the thumb hurt. That was a wild card. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you, you know how often you need your thumbs for uh, Zoom, <laughs> Dave. We're going to have a talk, performance. Uh, I just, uh, people come up with the wildest, like, um, excuses. I, I just, in my whole history of work, you know, like, I, I worked with a lady at Linens and Things and her armpits sweat a bunch. And she, you know, had to miss work because of that. I don't know. It was just a thing. So, yeah, The world is a strange place sometimes. There's emotions into it, though. Like, to say quick to hire, quick to fire, and then and then it's like, oh, you got to be you got to be kind of badass to do it. Like, I, I like the concept and don't think I have the cojones or whatever, you know? Yeah, Robbie is really, like, underselling his, like, strength in that. He is very direct, and so if someone's sucking it up, he's going to really let them know. Yeah, you're going to get a message immediately that goes, hey, you suck. Um, can i get that in writing Um, well no it'll be nicer sounding but like i'm not gonna just be like oh we'll just wait and see like you're gonna get feedback immediately and i'm gonna give you a way to improve and if you don't do those things then you're in trouble yeah that's the right thing to do it's like an adult thing to do for and it's so it's easy to do with children for me because like it's so cut and dry when they're just being a little jerk or something but with an adult <laughs> I have this problem where I'm like yeah but I suck too you know think of my many failings you know how how could I possibly give you feedback when I'm such a piece of garbage you know hmm. so wait Chris do you ever have imposter syndrome no <laughs> only because I'm awesome. like <laughs> I just don't really get it because I mean I've always been in this position where like I don't I don't really need to impress anybody or anything like I don't know I asked you for what I need and you give it to me or not and big deal you know I, I don't know like it's not that I'm not sympathetic towards it but I think that's it's your not knowing how to do something is also like a kind of a normal feeling. And that it can give you the drive to then learn how to do that thing that you didn't know. So just because you don't know something and be like, I'm so dumb. I don't know anything. My whole (laughs) life is a lie kind of thing. Like, wow, taking it a little too far there. So if that's how you really feel, I think there really maybe it actually is a disorder or something. But if Mm. you're just like, I don't know how to do that. It's amazing how smart other people are. And, you know, maybe that's my drive to learn how to do the thing. That that's like a that's just falls into the old normal bucket of emotions and doesn't need like a big special word to describe. I don't know thing. Yeah, yeah. I think Chuck said it well. Um, I think in one of our recent episodes, we we're talking about like what makes a senior developer, and it's not really that you know more stuff necessarily. It's that he's confident he can figure anything out, right? So it's it's not like, oh, yeah, I know everything. It's just I'm more confident in I can learn all those things and do it well. Nice. Yeah. And I feel like that way for the most part, although I'm being very humbled in my journey towards backend development and Go. There's a lot of things where I, even in my own app, like this this week, 
we have this, you know, we're working on, the, you know, some next generation code pen stuff. And there's an aspect to it where we take your code and we render it like we do now on CodePen. And there's a very robust pipeline of things that happen to the code that you author before it gets turned into essentially a URL that gets then rendered to you. You know, like we're making promises. We're trying to deliver you a DX experience when you write code that might require running preprocessors. It might require running processors you don't even know about for your own safety. It requires DNS crap and host that content on a URL that's not one that's the same of the parent page because that would be ridiculously dangerous for XSS reasons and all. There's just a lot of stuff that has to happen. And internal, you know, there's one thing that happens on production and then another thing that happens in development. And hopefully those things are pretty close to each other because debugging one that's very different from the other would suck, you know? So we try to make production and development as close as they can, but they're not always identically perfect. There's different URLs, a little different, um, you know, network stuff that happens. But I have this idea that I want to start running more and more stuff through Cloudflare. Um, You know, we mostly run everything through Cloudflare, but maybe even those pages too, like your rendered output. Because... Cloudflare is this thing called workers. I don't know if you've seen, but they're just they're just so cool. And they give you this opportunity to like potentially even manipulate the request before it gets to somewhere. But it's so, so stinking fast that you can perform those manipulations, like change some headers or even manipulate the HTML on the way. And so, for example, on CodePen, can you picture we have a we have a console? So you open up the console and you can type in there like document query selector all main nav, and it will like query. But what it needs to query inside that iframe, not on the outside. So we need to like post message that information down inside the iframe, and then execute that JavaScript, and then get the result and bring it back up to the console. The console is built into the UI of CodePen itself, so it has to have that like cross domain communication. Thing. Thing happening, which means that we need to inject some JavaScript into your page to make that crap work. So just because, you know, you wrote some page, we got to put some JavaScript in there. And there's all kinds of opportunities to do that. But a worker is starting to feel like, hey, maybe that's the right way to go because it's so clever and so quick at manipulating HTML that we'll use a worker to put our JavaScript inside that file. We haven't actually done that yet. We, we have a different way of doing it on CodePen today, but I wanted to explore it. And they have like this product called MiniFlare, which is their local development version of Cloudflare Workers. So if you, mm-hmm. and we're pretty big on that, like let's make sure our local development is just like production. So Cloudflare Workers, the normal product, that's a production only concern. Like, you, you know, but like that sucks. You can't, you know, like how do you replicate that locally? Well, you run MiniFlare. And I was just, humbled as can be. I was like, I'm going to install this and run it before our local development servers. And I had no idea how to do it. You know, I spent like (laughs) half my morning being like, where do I put this? Where's the, is it a Docker container or something that Mm -hmm. fakes the server? You know, and I just, I was like, if I put my mind to it, I could do anything. Like, that's what got me thinking about this is your guy that doesn't have imposter syndrome because he was so confident that he could figure anything out. That's not me. I am stopped regularly at things that I just cannot figure out that are just in so far in the back end side of things that like no amount of slowing down, you know, really being careful and looking at stuff. I just hit a brick wall 
but I know how I can climb the brick wall because I can get on Slack and be like, help me. Mm-hmm. And somebody right. will be there to do that. So I still have a way to climb it. But alone, I don't have that confidence. You know, like I, I'll still hit the wall. I don't disqualify that. I think that that is in the realm of like knowing how to find the answers. And part of knowing how to find the answer is known, knowing when you you need to reach out for help. Right. Like it doesn't. You can still solve the problem without doing it alone and saying that, like, I know where some of the experts are that can, like, give me some hints and get me through some of these blockers. And then I'll keep going and then I'll keep chugging away. But imagine you're not me. You know, I've spent my lifetime cultivating the people that I can ask about things. If you're new to the industry and you're hitting these walls, which you'll probably hit more of than I will because I have more experience than you do. And you don't have anybody. You, like, maybe have... You're maybe you're in the West Boss Slack group or something. So you maybe you're asking around. But can you imagine how like much more oh, painful it is to hit one of those walls and not not know how to climb it? That's what I think the feeling of imposter syndrome comes from is that like, dude, I'm hitting these walls constantly and I just have no recourse. I feel like I'm just done. No network. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, you get on the Cloud Native Foundations Slack group and because it sounds a little like a Docker container in a cluster that you would access, but not sure. And then, yeah. oh, is the mini flare or just cloud flare have some sort of help channels? Um, you know, you start exploring yeah, that. You just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah they totally we don't do all have for to the be Chris to get the answers, but I understand where you have like <laughs> a very deep network to to reach into, and people are probably like, oh, it's cool to help him and help CodePen get through a thing. Mm. I wanted to regress a little bit, though, because, yeah, I remember when Cloudflare workers came out like quite some time ago, but they're just like kind of getting hot now. And then AWS now has the Lambda functions, which I think are kind of the same. They they, yeah, they uh, don't really do the edge function quite yet, right? They'll have Lambda at the edge, but maybe they do. Nellify released theirs like yesterday. They have like little edge functions now. So everybody's getting in on I, it. I'm t- I think the Lambda functions, which are different than like your normal Lambdas. Um, okay. Yeah, they have this new thing. And maybe I'm not even saying it right. But they no, have a I'm second sure you... thing that is uh, exactly for the purposes of what you're saying. Like manipulate a header on its way through. And also you don't have to use... Um, the uh, you can actually like have them have a direct URL instead of having to go through um, API DNS or whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah. So some interesting things. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Uniquely qualified for Cloudflare. So so many sites like run their DNS through Cloudflare too, yeah. because you want the like DDoS protection and all the uh, the cool like performance stuff that they do, and then that's what gives them this opportunity to like. They are your edge already, so running your functions there makes sense. Whereas it's like it's harder with a lambda because I think a lot of people take advantage of lambdas despite not really doing all the rest of their DNS at AWS. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you've got to kind of buy into an ecosystem, right? Yeah, right. That's why the cloud industry is so crazy and so big. Is once they got you, you tend to stay there. But you know, yeah, because it's so damn complicated to get everything going. It's like, well, I'm here now. I'm not going to do this again. 
<laughs> it, it is. It is. Uh, there's so many opportunities to be just humbled in this job, though, isn't there? And kind yeah. of part of our responsibility is to like not show that. I'm almost glad I don't have clients because you know I'd be the worst guy in the call. They'd be like, "Could we do this?" And I'd be like, "I don't know. That sounds weird and hard." <laughs> you just always say yes and figure it out later, right, Dave? Yeah. Kaching, kaching, kaching. <laughs> Since none of my clients listen to any podcast that I'm on, I'm not too worried about it. But yeah, you just say yes and figure it out as you get in there. <laughs> That's good advice, people. Fake it till you make it is the official <laughs> official word for that. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, guys. Dave, do you have any final uh, words? Yeah, thank you all so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, for people who aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that? We'll start with Robbie. <laughs> Um, yeah, you can find me everywhere, uh, GitHub, Twitter, etc. as rwwagner90, two W's in there. Uh, you can find Whiskey Web and Whatnot at whiskeywebandwhatnot.fm and ShipShape at shipshape.io. Yeah, I guess I would just say sort of ditto. I'm not on all the things, yeah. Um, I did have to get on Twitter for some uh, crypto thing recently. I think I'm Charles the Third. On Twitter, uh, just LinkedIn, Chuck Carpenter, GitHub, Chuck Carpenter, but mostly through the ShipShape stuff. Perfect. Well, thank you, and thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Richard, be sure to start her favorite up. Uh, that's how people find out about the show. Uh, follow us on Twitter for 16 tweets a month at Shop Talk Show. Join us in the Discord, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. And we have a YouTube, youtube.com slash Shop Talk Show. It's like you're getting the theme going. But uh, anyway, uh, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Oh, shoptalkshow.com. 